Before we get started today, we'd like to continue our commitment to amplifying Black voices by plugging a podcast for you to check out. This week, we recommend the podcast Rants and Randomness, hosted by Lavi Ajayi. She has a really cool show where she talks about things she loves and things she's side-eyeing. She also interviews really interesting people. Fun fact, Kale, our producer and my husband, was interviewed on an episode of her show. You can find her podcast by searching Rants and Randomness on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast on Instagram at Rants and Randomness. The Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. We're obsessed with Jennifer Aniston. Pretty good plot. What about her hair? We're very messed up. So there's actually a pretty big spread. This is iconic Jen. It's perfection. I love the ending. Jen was definitely the best. Oh, yeah. It just has it all. It's so good. It's hilarious. Great Jen hair and outfits. This was super entertaining. It's true. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We have a girl crush on Jennifer Aniston, so we watched and ranked all of her movies. For more content related to Jen and the movies we're reviewing, find Girl Crush Podcast on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It's simple, but it really helps us out. On today's episode, we'll be talking about The Good Girl. This was released in 2002, and Justine, who's played by Jennifer Aniston, is 30 years old, unhappy with her life, and irritated with her lazy husband. A young guy named Holden starts working at the same retail store she does, and she's attracted to his withdrawn, antisocial attitude. The two form a connection that escalates. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So for those who haven't listened to us before, we rate every movie on five categories. Plot, Jen's character, Jen's acting, which are all out of 10 points. Jen's hair, which is out of two points, and a Would You Watch Again score out of five points. If you want to hear more about our rating system and how we came up with it, we'd encourage you to check out episode one. So for The Good Girl, we haven't actually found anywhere to stream this online, but you can purchase the physical DVD on Amazon for $20. (laughs) Not an ad. (laughs) Not an ad. So if you did that or you happen to have the film, here's where you should pause and go watch. Otherwise, there will be spoilers from here on out. Starting off with the plot, we rated the plot of The Good Girl 6.5 out of 10. At the beginning, we meet Justine, who's played by Jen. She's an unhappy woman, and she works at the makeup counter of a store called The Retail Rodeo. We also meet a few of Justine's coworkers. There's bright and cheery Gwen, wacky Cheryl, whose side note is played by Zoe Deschanel, one of her first roles, and she is super funny in it. Mm -hmm. There's a religious security guard named Corny and her manager, Jack. And Justine actually starts out the movie with a voiceover and she voices over every once in a while at the beginning she's talking about how basically she feels like she's in prison waiting on death row she's just kind of miserable with her life so justine's husband phil and his best friend bubba are painters and justine just seems sort of like angry and annoyed with phil like he gets high all the time he doesn't really care for their things or like pay her a lot of attention and he seems just kind of clueless and she just seems she comes across like she feels very stuck also, Phil is played by John C. Riley, and all I can think of is him from the movie Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, this role is different. Like, he's still kind of like, in this role, but it's not like a super comedic role like those other ones. Yeah, you're just waiting for him to do some slapstick comedy that he just yeah. never does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, a new cashier named Holden starts working at the retail rodeo. And this is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, super young Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And Justine is drawn in by his antisocial attitude. So he introduces himself to her and he's reading Catcher in the Rye. And the main character in Catcher in the Rye is also named Holden. And he wants to be a writer. He like reads while he works. He doesn't really talk to a lot of other people. 
So Justine sits down with Holden one day randomly at lunch and starts spouting off about how much she hates everyone. And she's drawn to him because he looks sad and aloof too. We find out that he's 22 and she's 30. So there's a bit of an age difference there. And when Justine sees him walking home one day, she offers him a ride. And when they get to his place, he invites her inside. So she goes in. He lives with his parents who call him Tom. And they don't really seem to pay him much attention. And Holden tells Justine that his parents just don't get him. And Justine says her husband of seven years, Phil, doesn't get her either. And she calls him a pig and says she's sick of it. Justine tells Holden that she liked that he kept to himself. And she can see in his eyes that he hates the world. And so does she. So from there on out, we see a montage of them kind of getting to know each other at work. They're laughing together at lunch, which is kind of unique because before that, we don't see either of the characters really smiling much. In addition to that, we find out that Justine has been having trouble getting pregnant. And eventually she confronts Phil about his frequent smoking and says that it could be lowering his sperm count and maybe their struggle getting pregnant is his fault. So Phil agrees to go get tested. Meanwhile, back at work, there's one time when Justine gives Holden a ride home and he tries to kiss her. There's like this attraction between them. But she stops him saying she's married and she doesn't want to hurt anyone. So the next day, Holden has the day off, but he leaves a note for Justine telling her how badly he wants to be with her and tells her that if she changes her mind to meet him after work at 5 p.m., by the way, outside of Chuck E. Cheese. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that. So romantic. That's a good rendezvous spot. Right? Oh, it's so dumb. It just, like, I mean, his character the entire time, you he just reminds you of, like, a high school freshman. Yes, absolutely. Like, that is how I would pit him. Where yep. I'm just like, you awkward little man. I don't yes. know. It's so confusing. So immature, yeah. <laughs> um, so he says to meet, meet him there, and if she's not there, she'll never see him again. Super dramatic. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> so that day, Gwen, who remember is Justine's cheery coworker, she gets sick at work after eating some blackberries from a road stand. So Justine drops her off at the hospital and like just kind of leaves her there, not going in with her or anything. She's like, okay, bye. <laughs> She's like violently ill. Yeah. She just like she doesn't even walk her inside. And she, like, rushes off to Chuck E. Cheese to meet up with Holden, but she's 30 minutes late. He's still there, and they end up going to a motel, and she pays for the room, which seems like a terrible idea since she's the married one. Mm -hmm. And they end up sleeping together, and afterwards, they're both sitting on the bed, and Justine is, like, crying about how she doesn't want to go home. When Justine gets home that night, she tells Phil about Gwen and says she's going to be visiting her at the hospital after work the next couple of days, which gives her an out for spending time with Holden. So Justine and Holden start, like, hooking up everywhere, including the back room at work, which is a terrible idea, obviously. Mm -hmm. And Holden writes these stories for Justine that are super dramatic and always end with the main character committing suicide. And he starts displaying, like, this obsessive behavior about Justine and fantasizing about her leaving Phil for him. But one night, as they're leaving the motel, Justine sees Bubba's truck. Remember, Bubba is her husband Phil's best friend. She sees his truck outside the motel, and so she's worried that he knows something. She goes to the hospital to check on Gwen and shockingly finds out that Gwen has passed away from whatever parasite was in those blackberries. So yeah, that was a crazy turn of events. And overall, Justine is feeling like super overwhelmed. So she tells Holden they need to cool it because they haven't thought this through. She's feeling guilty, and she just asks him to be patient. 
So one night, Bubba, Phil, and Justine are all at Justine's house, and Bubba pulls Justine aside and says that he saw her and she needs to go to his place the next day to talk. Also, Justine decides that she and Phil should try out this Bible study that Corny, her coworker at work, has been telling her about and inviting her to. So when they're about to walk into the Bible study, Justine sees the motel clerk walking up and panics and finds an excuse for her and Phil to leave before the motel clerk notices her. I'm just shaking my head throughout this entire, <laughs> entire uh, plot. It is so, like, I mean, there's a lot to say about it. It's not right, but also it's so poorly planned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so Justine tells Holden that he still needs to be patient. She can't go to the motel that day because someone's potentially found out about them. And Holden accuses her of not understanding him, not wanting to be with him, and he basically just starts freaking out. He's just being, like, super unreasonable and asking, like, why she cares if anyone finds out and really not understanding the situation. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. super immature. Yeah. So Justine goes to Bubba's house to have that confrontation of finding out, like, what he knows. And Bubba uses what he saw as blackmail. This is horrible. It he, is. He reveals that he's always wished he was like Phil and he always wished that he had someone like Justine. And he said the only thing left to do is for them to sleep together. And obviously she, she like declines, but then Bubba gives her an ultimatum and basically says that if she doesn't sleep with him, he will tell Phil about what he saw at the motel. Horrible. Ugh, this scene makes me cringe. It's so sick. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. There's a thousand things wrong with it. It's horrible. And so, Bubba is just like, oh, he, no. What a sicko. Yeah. Disgusting. So Bubba has sex with her, and right when they're done, she looks up and sees Holden watching them from the window. So, <laughs> not good. It's like blackmail and a peeping Tom just yes. all in one 30-minute uh. <laughs> scenario. Yeah. Horrible. So the next day, Holden doesn't show up to work, but he's waiting for Justine in her car at lunch. And he's like sobbing, hitting his head against the door, calling Justine a hooker, all this stuff, like accusing her of, you know, obviously sleeping with someone else because he doesn't know the whole story. So she's just like, you know, what? I can't deal with this right now. I need to talk to you later. And she goes to the doctor with Phil for his sperm test appointment. So she goes with Phil during her lunch. And then after work, she picks up Holden. And again, he's like freaking out. He's basically like escalated his freak out to beyond just him and Justine. He's like, talking about how the world is a terrible place, like babies are dying, and basically just everything is blown up. I don't know. He's, he's not stable. <laughs> so as they're driving along, she sees a Blackberry Road stand and assumes it's the one that Gwen got her, you know, bad blackberries from. And she ends up pulling over and stops to get some. And as they're driving, Justine is saying she doesn't understand why he's so upset. And he's like talking about how he hates his life. And he thought that she hated her life too. And she was like, well, yeah, I'm depressed, but you, you're, you're really depressed. <laughs> and he's like begging Justine to never forsake him. He literally uses the word forsake. And he's like sobbing into her lap. And at this point, she's like, she just looks tired and emotionless. Like he's sobbing, curled up into her, and she's just like stone-faced. Mm -hmm. And her character narrates over the scene and says that she realized at that moment that Holden was at best a child and at worst a demon. And she wanted to get back on the straight and narrow with her life. So she offers the blackberries to Holden and basically is like, here, eat a blackberry, eat a blackberry. And eventually he starts eating them. But then she second guesses it and she freaks out and knocks them out of his hand being like, oh, I saw a bug. Don't eat them. 
I know. She, <laughs> she's, she like can't decide an, what she wants to do. Yeah, it's such an interesting, such an interesting scene. She very quickly know. goes from wanting to run away with him to wanting to poison him <laughs> and then back again. Yeah, and I feel like you can see all of it going through her head. Right. You can like read it all in her eyes. Yeah. Like she just does not know what she wants. No. So Justine ends up talking to Holden's parents and tells them that she's worried about him and she thinks he's mentally ill. And she kind of covers her tracks here. She tells them that he's made up that they've had an affair and she thinks he'd be better off somewhere where therapists can help him. After feeling some cramps, Justine takes a home pregnancy test and finds out that she's pregnant. Which like, done, done, done. It could be three different people. Yeah, seriously. That's terrifying. Meanwhile, Holden finds out that his parents have been talking to a psychiatric hospital, so he gets upset about that. And back at work, Justine's there working for the day, and there's this big commotion. Police come in, and we find out that someone has stolen $15,000 from the safe, and they know it was Holden because he left his cashier key in the safe. Dummy. Ugh, such an idiot. Yeah, he is. So they can't find Holden, and they start to question Justine, asking if she had anything to do with it or if she knows where he is. And it becomes clear that everyone knows about them going to the storage room. Duh. We also find out there's a camera in the storage room. So, like, their affair is not really a secret at this point. (laughs) And they're suspicious if she's involved with this robbery. Holden, like, sneaks up while she's getting off of work and gets into Justine's car and talks about how he's so proud of himself. He has $15,000. He has a gun. What else does he need? And he's, like, trying to convince her to run away with him. Justine ends up telling him that she's pregnant and that she can't raise the baby on the run. But Holden is like, that's not true. We can. Like, what do you have to lose? Again. Literally everything. Yeah. Everything. (laughs) She has everything to lose. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Also, you just stole $15,000. What? Right. Right. So Holden hands her the story that he wrote for her. And then he tells her to be at the motel by noon the next day to go start their life together. Back at their house, Phil gets a call from the doctor telling him that he's infertile. And he gets really confused and asks Justine if she's really pregnant. But she reassures him that the doctor must have just messed up. And she is pregnant. But the next day, Justine, in the morning, she packs a bag and starts driving. She sits at a stoplight, contemplating whether to drive to work or whether to drive to the motel. What? (laughs) And she eventually marches into retail rodeo and lets her manager, Jack, know that the police can find Holden at this motel. And important note here, Jack calls her a good girl, name of the movie. And she goes home and... This is like the only spot in this movie, too, where I'm like, okay, yes, she is, like, sane. Yes, she finally did the right thing. Right. She just makes so many terrible choices. (laughs) She really does. (laughs) So she's back at home and the TV's on, and we find out that there's been this standoff at the motel. Holden got into a standoff with the police, and he ended up committing suicide. Obviously, Justine is, you know, shocked and upset by this. Mm -hmm. A little while later, Phil gets the credit card bill in the mail and confronts Justine after seeing a bunch of charges for this motel. Again, why did she think that no one would ever notice this? Well, Holden had no money. Yeah, exactly. Except for the $15,000 after the fact. Right, right. So true. And Justine admits that she had an affair. At this point, Phil smacks her in the face, which is awful. And asks her why and asks her, like, do you even love me? And she says that he's the only man she's ever loved, which I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it kind of ends up being this really sad scene, though. Like, they, they end up being pretty honest with each other here. Well, for the most part. 
and they're sitting on the bed like a foot apart. They're both crying, but they're holding hands. So throughout this conversation, she's like reassuring him that it is his baby. And he guesses that the person she had an affair with was, quote, the Bible study guy. And she lets him think that. She's like, yeah, that's who it was. And Phil says he needs to get stoned and just wants to escape. And she kind of gives her blessing for this. And he asks if she ever feels that way. And this is kind of like a turning point for them, I think, because I think it's the first time that they sort of connect because she's like, yeah, I do. I do feel like I need to escape. Mm -hmm. And so does he. So I don't know. I, I feel like they kind of like have this moment of connection there that you just don't see in the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but then she goes to work the next day and Corny is there, who's the Bible study guy, and he has a ton of bruises on his face. Yeah. So, so apparently Phil had some revenge. <laughs> So the movie kind of starts wrapping up there, and she reads the story that Holden had left for her about them running off together. And she's voicing over about that story, and we see a scene in the future where Justine and Phil are holding their baby. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. So she, it, I, I don't know. It's super interesting. It is. It's very different. So the movie was really well received by critics, but I feel like it has like mixed reviews from you know, the regular person. Mm -hmm. Like there's some people who really love it because it's, it is like this dark dramedy. And then there's other people who I think just don't get it as much. What did you like or dislike about it? It's definitely not what you'd expect it to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think while watching it the first time, I was just like, what is happening? Right. And I didn't actually rewatch this because I don't own it on DVD. You have the DVD. Right. But I realized that I remembered pretty much the entire plot. So I think it's a movie that it definitely leaves an impression on you. It does. And it kind of makes you uncomfortable, which I think is a good and a bad thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I think they do a good job of showing the characters, like, at their worst, sort of. Mm -hmm. And you can pick little pieces of the characters that you maybe can relate to. But I think what didn't nail it in for me was... I just couldn't get behind any of the characters, really. Like, I wasn't, like, rooting for any of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting just kind of zoom in on, you know, pretty unsuspecting group of people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, this, like, small town retail store. Yes. You know, getting view into what all those people are like. So I thought that was interesting. And the, Mm -hmm. the actor who played Bubba in an interview said it really well. He said each character has made peace with tragic compromise to, like, mm. what they thought their lives would be like. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting and a really good way to put it. Yeah, Because that's sure. so true. I also thought it was really interesting. Zoe Deschanel's character in this movie is <sighs> great. Like, she is so funny. such a fun – she has that dry sense of humor that yeah. fits this movie so well. She really does. And it's, like, the perfect little comedic breaks that you need. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of her character in Failure to Launch, if you've seen it, which came yes. out several years later. Yeah, I think you're so right. The the craziest part of this is that this movie came out a year before Elf. No. Yes. What? Isn't that weird? That is so weird. Yeah, she had like such a small role in this. I know. I love Elf, though. It's so crazy, so crazy. <sighs> a couple interesting things about this. So the guy who played the security guard, Corny, he actually wrote the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny. He was in yeah. a couple of interviews talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, if I guess if I wrote a movie, I would totally, I would totally want to be in it too. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Pick your part. Yeah. I also thought Jake Gyllenhaal was really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was only 20 when this was being filmed. 
And Jennifer Aniston is, I think, 32. And I think his acting is so believable in this. Like, his character, you really do believe that he's not stable. He's very depressed. I just think he does it so well. Yeah, he plays this character really, really well. It is tight. Yes. But I think overall, like, so we rated it a 6.5. I think, like I said, just the parts that didn't bring it to the end for me, like, to be able to rate it higher, I think were just, again, not feeling like I had someone to really root for. And then I also felt like, and we can kind of talk more about this as we get into our character, I guess, but like, I felt like we didn't get a good sense of the ending. Like, I didn't get a good sense of whether she was happy or not. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't feel resolved to me. Like, we saw the future that she decided to stay with him, but I don't know if she decided that because it was the easy thing to do or if she decided that because it's truly what she wanted to do. I mean, they look kind of happy at the end. Yeah, yeah, they were smiling, but yeah. And, like, like I said, like, that conversation where they both talked about how they wish they could escape sometime, like, I do feel like they found some common ground there, but I don't know. They don't really give us that insight of what the resolution is really like. I feel like this is another one of those movies where it's just a – I mean, obviously, there's a plot because right. there's the story arc of Jake Gyllenhaal's character, mm-hmm. but it it otherwise just feels like – you're just getting a sample of their of her life. life. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't like tie it up in a nice bow right, at the right. end for you. And I think the other thing with this movie is that there's just so few uplifting moments of it. Mm-hmm. Like the up- uplifting funny moments mostly come from Cheryl. Right. And partially from Gwen, but then Gwen dies. Right. So that's kind of a so bummer. It's really dark. I would say it's mildly more depressing than love happens but mildly less depressing than yellow birds that's yes that's accurate that's where <laughs> so I true would would slot this movie yeah very true by the way the security guard, the guy who wrote it is also the guy who wrote school of rock like white what whoa yeah. Kale. fun fact that is crazy i thought i remembered that wow such different movies yeah this is a real deal i think has he I written don't other think things? those are his only writing credits, but I, I can't remember. Wow. That's wild. That is so wild. I'm so glad you looked that up. Wow. What a fun addition. He's a talented dude. Well, I think I like School of Rock better. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. But can you imagine Jack Black in this movie? No way. <laughs> <laughs> True. Actually, Jack Black underrated for his, you know, more straight or serious acting. And that is the voice of Kale, who is our producer and mm-hmm. Ellie's husband, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't love this movie. And it's just like, it's got that gray overtone throughout the yeah. whole thing that just feels sleepy and sad. Yeah. And like I said, like, you just don't get a good lesson at the end. I mean, there are lessons in it. I don't want to say that. But like, you don't feel like it's resolved. So when you're done with a movie, you're kind of just still bummed out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he didn't say this, but John C. Riley called oh. this the feel weird movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is pretty accurate. Accurate, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny. accurate. So we gave Jen's character of Justine a rating of a six out of ten. She's she's something in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you can relate to the fact that she's trying to please everybody. Yeah, she is trying to please her boss. She's trying to please her coworkers. She's trying to please Holden. She's trying to please her husband. She ultimately gives in and pleases Bubba, which is gross. I think that's disgusting. And then I'm like, now you're not just trying to please him. You just have low self-worth. So then I'm like, what is this really? You know? Yes. Yeah. 
I'm like, just tell your husband and out his best friend for being a disgusting blackmailer. Right. Yes. That that surely would have been the better option. I think so. I've I mean, never been in this situation, but. It was not that long after that he did find out about the affair, which she should have foreseen because it was all on her credit card. Like she should have known. Right. That he was going to find out eventually. So right. ugh, you'd think knowing that she just bite the bullet. Yeah. Like you said earlier, also, she just doesn't, she doesn't make good choices. She doesn't plan things out. But I think you're right. I think it's because she's, she's trying to please people. And I heard in one interview, they kind of described it, that she's a nice girl, even mm-hmm. though she's not doing the right things. And that, that sort of gets her into trouble. Like rather than just being confrontational and like leaving her husband or telling him she's not happy or whatever, she just ends up doing all this stuff that causes disaster. Yeah, essentially. Also, she tries to poison Holden. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's like a killer. What? She's like, these blackberries will do the trick. Yeah. Natural natural causes. (laughs) And we'll just get rid of them. That'll make everything easier. Right? Uh, I mean, she regrets it. She stops it. Yeah. But she did buy them and is like force feeding him (laughs) the blackberry in the Uh, middle of his mental grazes. She's like, have have a piece of fruit. And he, at first, he's like, well, they're dirty. No, like, we haven't washed them yet. And yeah. she's like, just eat one. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It's horrible. Also, I hate how mean she is to Phil. And like you said, this is a snippet into their life, so we don't fully know how he treats her. But he just seems very, like, he definitely seems like he doesn't pay her a lot of attention. He seems like a big dummy. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the sense throughout the movie that he is, like, abusive or mean to her you know what I mean like he just Mm -hmm. seems sort of clueless obviously up until the point that he he does slap her which is not right obviously but there's there's points throughout the movie where he is trying like she's upset about their tv not working so when he realizes it upsets her he like goes and fixes it he gets really excited when she finds out she's pregnant he's Mm -hmm. like jumping up and down he plans a dinner for the next day to celebrate and it's actually really sweet and she's just very absent for the whole thing Yeah, I feel like Phil is a more complicated character than you give him credit for on the surface. Mm -hmm. I also hate the fact that he slaps her. Yeah, of course. You know, he's really unmotivated in his life as well, which Mm -hmm. so is she. So is she. But just because he smokes pot on the couch, I don't think makes him worse than her also active inability to do anything about her life. Like, I'd rather smoke pot on the couch than cheat on my husband if you really need something to do. Yep. He made he made the better choice. Yeah, the absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like she doesn't have the courage to do anything to change her circumstances. Mm-hmm. She's just sort of taking these easy ways out like in the moment. Yeah. I mean, she's worked at that job that she's hated for years. Right. Makes no effort to do anything beyond that, but then seems upset that her life is what it is. Right. Exactly. Like you, you have control of your life. Yeah. Mm. She did say that she was excited to play a totally different character. Mm-hmm. Like, this was kind of peak friends time, so I think she was hungry for something totally different because she was probably, I would guess, starting to feel very pigeonholed in her rules. Yes, exactly. Also, I saw that interview that you're talking about, and she, an interviewer asked her if it bugged her that, it, that the role wasn't very glamorous. <laughs> and she was like, no. And she was like, there's not anything glamorous about me. And I was like, oh, Jen, bless your heart. She was like, well, anyone can sit in a hair and makeup chair and look yeah. glamorous. Yeah. Um, you know, she, Which is a she's, good point. She's not wrong. I know. I, it just makes her seem more down to earth. I like it. Mm-hmm. I also do give her credit for deciding to cut things off with Holden and turn him in at the end. And I, I want to give her credit for 
giving her marriage another try. But again, it's hard to say the reason she does this. Like, is she truly all in and giving it the effort? Or is it again, just like her accepting, well, this is just my life and not doing anything to change it? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't give her judgment skills a high score here, though. Oh, no. I'm like, the fact that you're 30 years old, you mm-hmm. want a different life, and you think this 20-year-old living with his parents is going to do it for you. Uh, yeah. That feels like the best option. Yeah. She's just very lost. <laughs> yeah. Not her best character. No. <laughs> no, not her best. A complicated Sorry, one, though. Yeah. But on the other hand, when we get to her acting, I think she played this character really well. Mm-hmm. We rated Jen's acting an 8 out of 10. First of all, she has an accent. The movie's mm-hmm. set in Texas, so she has that Texan twang. I think she does the accent well, and she narrates periodically throughout the movie, which is kind of interesting, too, and I think she does a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Again, so yes, this is very different from her role of Rachel, which she was really, you know, in the peak of during that time. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so different. Like, she's, she looks forlorn pretty much the entire movie. She comes across as genuinely miserable, and she really doesn't smile a lot in the whole movie. So. I don't know. I think she does a really good job of playing those emotions. Mm-hmm. I think she does a, a really good job of, of doing well-placed sighs or silences or drawing Ooh. out her dialect. Yeah, yeah. Especially thinking of, like, you know, contrasting this against Rachel. Mm. You know, that character talks very quickly and is upbeat and all these yes. things. And this character is a 180 from that. And I feel like sometimes when people are either sighing a lot or they have little to no facial expression or something like that, that it comes across as immature acting or just kind of exasperation because you don't right. know. Really, I'm thinking of how people add random sides and gestures in, in bad plays or something. But I feel like right. every action she takes are really oriented towards the center of her character where, yes, I don't know, like this is such a slow movie, but I feel like it somehow continues to move because of the way that she's acting the character and kind of pulling it along. That's true. And there aren't a ton of moments where her character is super up and down. Like Holden's mm-hmm. character is very like up and down. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I think it's really impressive that she can play a character so well that actually is pretty measured in her static, maybe in the level of like her emotion throughout the mm-hmm. movie. Like she's just sort of always down. And you're right. I do think that's impressive that she is able to portray that so well when it doesn't have a lot of like dynamic up and down movement. Yeah. And I mean, usually in some of, usually in her movies where she doesn't, you know, show the whole range, we actually Mm -hmm. rank it lower, but she just does this one thing so well, this entire movie so consistently that I I think it deserved the higher score. Yeah, I think so too. And she said that in an interview coming off a comedy show, it was really intriguing to her to explore the sadness and depression mm-hmm. aspects of this film mm-hmm. that she, and I mean, she obviously did a, an amazing job with it. Yeah, for sure. She also won a Teen Choice Award for Best Actress in a Drama for this movie. Oh, interesting. As mm-hmm. a teenager, this would not be my uh, first pick of a film to watch. I know. I thought, I thought that was <laughs> funny, too. <laughs> also, just funny fact, she was married to Brad Pitt during this movie, and mm-hmm. an interviewer asked Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> if Brad was jealous or if Jake yeah. was scared of him during the movie. <laughs> Jen just, like, shook her head right. laughing yeah. during it. That's funny. I'm like, oh, back in the day. Yeah, I do imagine that could be intimidating for Jake Gyllenhaal, because, I mean, he was only 20. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, how much he did before this. Yeah, they, well, they were asking they were asking the two of them, you know, because they obviously do a lot of hookup scenes in mm. this movie. 
they were like, oh, were those awkward? You know, yeah. Jake said, it wasn't awkward for me. I just came off a bunch of movies making out with girls, so it's fine with me. <laughs> and Jen's just like shaking her head. <laughs> and she was she was like, oh, you were with another old brat. And he's like, oh, no, no, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for Jen's hair, we rated her hair one out of two. I mean, it's not supposed to be glamorous in this movie. She's pretty frumpy the whole time because, mm-hmm. you know, she's depressed and just, you know, rolling along with life, I yeah. guess. But it's, it still does look pretty cute. Yeah, I think she pulls it off well. Mm-hmm. She's got the, like, little wave in there. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to look yeah. natural, but clearly it's not. Right. A bunch of low, <laughs> messy buns with some pieces hanging down. Super cute. <laughs> I, like, rewatched the trailer or something at least for this, and I just saw the scene or a scene where she is wearing this big sweater with her hair and this low bun pulled back in her denim vest. work vest. I was like, people would think I was seriously ill if that is what I looked like. Oh, it's so funny. This was also the early 2000s, so coming off of 90s fashion. I guess. Okay. That's a good, that's a good caveat. I feel like that big sweater sort of look could have been a little bit trendy. I don't think it was meant to be trendy in this movie. No. And I don't know if it just somehow works for her because she's so small mm-hmm. or or if the costume designers, I don't know, just do a good job and right. you, it just fits it so well that you don't even think about it until after Right, the right. Yeah. Oh, that's good, though. There's also some fun banana clip action. There is. Classic. Yeah. But nothing to blow us out of the water. No, 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 no. I think the style she wears the most is the low, the low messy bun. Yeah. How does she make that look cute? When it's pulled, when it's pulled back and her hair looks more straight and it's just in the like tighter bun and she has a uh-huh. flannel shirt and that vest on. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> just imagining myself in these outfits. It's not, it's should not be good. Sunday style spotlight. <laughs> it should. It should. Oh my goodness. Unsurprisingly, for our Would You Watch Again score, we rated this a one out of five. I do think seeing Jen play such a dramatic role and playing it so well, I definitely think it's worth the watch if you can get your hands on the DVD or if it becomes available to stream somewhere. But it's not one that I would be reaching for to rewatch. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I can't think of a particular mood I would be in where this would satisfy me. Right. Agreed. Know. But yeah, I, I would recommend to watch it. I think it's interesting. It's very. Un- very different from a lot of her other movies. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of her earlier dramatic roles. So, yes. And Jake Gyllenhaal does an amazing job. So. Yeah. Yeah, that part's really good. Yeah. Definitely. I guess there's, you know, there's four big names in this. So. Yeah, that's true. All rather early in their career. And different from movies they're usually in. Yeah, for all of them. Mm-hmm. It's true. Maybe we should have given that a three out of five. Too late. <laughs> Too late. No, I still wouldn't rewatch it. I still just say watch it once. Okay. That's fair. I think so. Yeah, it's would you watch again, not would you watch. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Everything, if it was would you watch, would you get a five out of five? We already watched yeah. it. <laughs> it's true? too late. <laughs> so to review, we gave the plot of The Good Girl a 6.5 out of 10, Jen's character Justine a 6 out of 10, Jen's acting an 8 out of 10, her hair a 1 out of 2, and a would you watch again score of a 1 out of 5. That brings The Good Girl to a total score of 22.5 points. 
which means it falls as number 28 out of 38 in the rankings. Yeah, fair. Thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or find us on Facebook by searching Girl Crush Podcast. You can also email us at podcastgirlcrush at gmail.com. As usual, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about office space. Bye. Bye.